Hello, I'm Alison Creel, founder of Above and Beyond Education, an online portal where every educator is celebrated for the amazing work that they do each and every day. It's a space where you can share what's going really well, celebrate, collaborate and support and so much more. Flying High is the official podcast for Above and Beyond Education, and each week we'll hear from one of our members who share the highlights of what's going well for them in their work in education. Our guest this week is Rachel Clark, who is the deputy head of an inner city school, as well as a consultant who leads diversity anti-racist professional learning for a range of organisations, including the Church of England. So, hello, Rachel, and welcome to the Flying High podcast. Hi, Alison. Um, Thank you so much for having me here today. Brilliant. So please introduce yourself and tell us more about your education journey. So um, I'm a senior leader of a large inner London primary school that you've already mentioned. Um, And that journey has been one that's been um, not tumultuous, but it's been one that's been challenging at times for many reasons. I didn't initially go into education because my mother was a head teacher of a London primary school. My grandmother was a head teacher of a primary school in, in Wales, in Cardiff. And she was the first black head teacher in Wales and one of the first in the UK. So growing up, I was adamant that I would not go into education at all. Um, so me being me, I did lots of other things first. I worked in journalism for a little bit. I worked in television for a little bit. But the calling um, of education, I think was always there. I was just being um, stubborn <laughs> and trying to resist temptation at all costs. But I did my dissertation on the underachievement of black boys in primary and secondary schools, particularly. And that was for a sociology degree that I did. Um, So this this idea of equity, equality, everybody being of equal value, something that's been threaded through my DNA. Um, And I I looked into that and I, I then got sort of called back in through mentoring. And then I thought, right, I'm going to do what I've always wanted to do, but have just push down and I'll, I'll enter the, the teaching profession. And, and that was really, really interesting. Um, I studied at the Institute of Education and my time there was bumpy to, to, to say the least. It was bumpy because I was in the minority. It was bumpy because um, lectures that were, that were given at that time, um, I think had racist undertones. And when I raised those concerns, they were not listened to. Um, I think I was deemed the issue and I think that's that's often the experience of um, black and brown teachers and leaders in education in in, in this British education system yeah and children absolutely Um, and I think that that the one thing that that supported me was that the the ability to be able to teach firstly um, and the fact that I, I've been brought up in a way with such strength around me from my father, from my mother, from both sets of grandparents that I didn't have as much inner fear as others do. So I was able to withstand the pressures and strains, I think more than others. So I raised the concerns, they weren't listened to. Um, those who were on my course or in my cohort 
who also had issues, um, didn't want to rock the boat. So it was me sort of being the one to, to, to challenge, which again is often the experience um, uh, for, for many. And I, I sort of qualified, passed through, did my NQT year, had a great time, and then moved through leadership in another school that I'd moved to, to, to the position I'm in now as a deputy head teacher. Um, but yeah, dealing with dealing with other people's um, perceptions, assumptions, stereotypical views. Oh, you're Rachel. Microaggressions. <laughs> All of that um, is something that you have to have a lot of resilience to withstand. Not because it's okay, but because despite it being 2022, that's where we're at. And I found myself. Um, on my second maternity leave during lockdown um, a few years back now the first lockdown um, George Floyd was murdered lots of people were talking about race for the first time in a long time eyes were wide open people had the time to to speak to ask questions and to see and listen for the first time in a long time in society and I was actually asked, I spoke at a BLM rally whilst on maternity leave, and I was asked by somebody there, one of the organisers, if I could put some training together for a group of head teachers that she was leading. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. It's what I've done before. I'm, I'm more than happy to do that um, in this field. And I, I slowly got drawn into um, delivering anti-racist training and then working very closely with, um, with, uh, with the uh, diversity and anti-racist professional learning group of partners um, that's a Welsh funded uh, project really um, giving anti-racist professional learning uh, free of charge to all schools across Wales so I put together that training as well and that sort of ballooned into more and more work um, I've done some anti-racist training for the Church of England um, myself and two others were adamant that during maternity I would have the time and the space to put together um, learning materials which which we managed to do miraculously it's amazing how time bends like the matrix when you're really passionate about something but we've managed to, to make it work and those materials have been really good in supporting organizations on their journey um, but the passion that I have is not one that's that's there because it's, it's sort of in vogue and, and on trend it's it's one that I've been brought up on um, and within this desire to make sure that everybody achieves their full, full potential is something that I've had modeled around me throughout my whole life um, that I want to model and I, I try to model to young people whether they be students families or teachers coming into the profession um, because it's really important that those models are there because it's very rare that you see black and brown models of, of leaders in, in, in positions in, in schools, whether in London or outside. So, so yes, that's a little bit about my journey and, and how I got into this work, but I'm really excited um, to, to be carrying it out. Um, I'm pleased about the progress and the desire that's out there that people have to make sure that the, the spaces that they're working in are, are more equitable. Um, and I'm looking forward to the new adventures. Okay, thank you. What an amazing journey. And uh, I remember you telling me about your grandmother. And I just, it, it just, um, I was so inspired by that. The fact that you knew, I mean, 
your grandmother must have been one of the very, very first people of colour uh, to become um, a school leader. And it was um, so much harder then. Um, so that's an incredible, those incredible boots to fill. You really are standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Um, and then the, uh, so I'm going to ask you uh, two questions, I guess, if that's okay. Um, so the first thing that I'd, I'm really interested in, and this is your perspective. Um, well, I'll start off with my, my, my point of view is that Wales is league years ahead of England mm -hmm. in terms of education policy, development, um, not just on the uh, Jedi front, on the justice, equity, diversity and inclusion front, but generally they're mm -hmm. much more progressive and forward thinking. Um, do you share that point of view? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> just in one word absolutely I think if the rest of the UK could only do a little bit of what they're doing um we wouldn't be failing as many children as we are now um the reason why I use the word fa failing is because I think that's what we're doing really I think the statistics speak for themselves I think not being able to not be able to tell full histories of communities who've contributed to this country for a very, very long time, pre-Windrush, I think does a disservice. I think it, it instills a disconnect. It doesn't help young people to feel as if they belong. And that sense of belonging, I think, is the main reason, or the lack of that sense of belonging, is the main reason for underachievement. Um, and poor outcomes and standards, including well-being. It's, it's hard to feel like you can stand up straight and tall if you don't think that you belong, if you don't feel as if you've got a right to be here. And whilst outwardly, we don't have those signs in shop windows, you know, no, no dogs, no black, no blacks, no Irish. We don't have them anymore. Mm. However, those signs are still there through the demographic makeup of communities through the looks that are given. If people from black and brown communities walk into majority white spaces, mm -hmm. whether that be restaurants or hotels or spas or wherever, um, it's there. So that sense of belonging or isolation or othering is here front and center. And I think if, if England, Scotland's doing a little bit more than Eng England. Um, Scotland yeah, and Wales definitely ahead of England. They're ahead of England. Northern Ireland, I'm, I'm unsure of, so I'm not going to speak about. I don't have as much knowledge as, as, I, as I do of Scotland and England. But England is the furthest behind, I would argue. And, and I think that we've, we've got to do something about it. I think we've got to galvanise as, as communities, as black, brown, white communities, to make a stand to say that being non-racist is not good enough anymore. We want to be anti-racist, we want to acknowledge um, and celebrate the, the rich tapestry that we have within our society, but also acknowledge the long lasting legacies and, and links we've all had to this country. We are all here for a reason. We cannot, surely, we cannot continue to have amnesia. We've got to um, take off the glasses and, and look quite closely at, at, at those links that have been before Windrush. 
it's not to um not to discount anything windrush generations and and people have contributed to society but i think part of the lack of sense of belonging is the lack of knowledge and understanding of the centuries worth of contributions people of color have made to this island or these islands um yeah so i think it's huge there's lots to learn um what's really enlightening is that in pockets that growth is there within england um but it would be good if we had a national strategy and a national sort of push towards um towards that direction yay to the national I, strategy <laughs> yeah I, I keep my fingers crossed um mm. but with politics being what it is um and with 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 this being politicized i worry over how quickly this can happen and be realized i worry that we've got leading figures and politicians who refer to this work as being woke as mm -hmm. opposed to acknowledging that this isn't about being woke it's just about giving a full truthful history <laughs> that's all <laughs> it's, it's also not about saying that anybody is more important as anybody else what it is uh, is about for me and this is what i speak about this is what i train about this is what i'm passionate about is what i had instilled in me which is you are no better than anybody else but you're also no worse mm -hmm. and we've got to change the narrative to ensure that young people of all backgrounds have equal values placed upon them as opposed to good and bad because when that internalization happens we have poor mental health outcomes, we have poor outcomes educationally, in terms of employment, in terms of health, in terms of where we live, etc, etc, etc. So it's about changing all of that. And um, it's good it's happening in small pockets across England, but I'd like it to happen across vast swathes. I completely agree with you. And in addition to that, the only thing I'd add on to is to remind everyone that it's also a safeguarding matter. Yeah, well, it is. And, and I've said it for years and slowly but surely, you know, it, it seems that it's starting to catch that the the um, the updated keeping children safe and education guidance that will be statutory from this September does now refer to discrimination, any form of discrimination being a safeguarding term issue and should be sort of seen under that umbrella. Um, don't really need to talk about child queue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think if, if anyone was under any doubt as to the part racism plays and um, in safeguarding, that's, that's the most recent example that we have. Um, but unfortunately, Child Q is not one isolated case. No. They're talking about one child who was failed, where racism play, played a huge part in, in that. Um, during the height of everybody talking about race and racism um, because it was around the time of George Floyd's murder and if that can happen then what on earth has happened since and what on earth happened before <laughs> for young people when those conversations weren't being had as, as, as they were then so th there's still a long way to go it's definitely a safeguarding issue if we saw racism as part of the safeguarding agenda I truly believe that more children would be saved more mm -hmm. children would have um more well-rounded uh ideas of self and a sense a stronger sense of belonging which is obviously what wales have done with their curriculum as well so um yeah i completely agree with that 
Thank you. And if there was one bit, it, so the what Wales are doing is an enormous piece of work and they've been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone was listening to this podcast and they needed to go and look at one thing in Wales, is there a favourite bit that you would say to them, just have a look at this? Can I, can I do one and a half bits? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the one would be to have a look at uh, the DARPL materials, um, if they can be accessed by people in England who are not- We'll, in include, a, we'll include a link. That'll be fantastic. In, in the bio. Great. So definitely look at, look at that because that is Welsh um, and it's really important. The second part in terms of Wales would be to look at um, the idea of Kinevin which is woven through the curriculum, the revised curriculum that's statutory for Wales from this September, so it's September 2022. Mm-hmm. Kinevin is, is this sense of belonging, sense of attachment, sense of, I have my roots here. They might have started somewhere else, but they are also here in Wales. Um, so for people to look out for Kinevin, um, which is a Welsh word, um, you know, because it is really important if we made sure that that we had that within our broad UK or specific English curriculum. Um, I think that that young people um, and young teachers and families mm-hmm. um, would be doing better within society. So, yeah, there's sort of two things. Oh, no, that's just totally brilliant. And again, what we will do is make sure that we, I'll, I'll talk to you and make sure that we include the right links for everyone to access in the bio, just to make it easier and more accessible. Um, And then that was my first question. (laughs) It actually leads into the second question where you talked about um, some of the things that you personally have gone through, um, whether it was in school or, you know, or whether it was while you were doing uh, your teacher training at the Institute of Education. And you kind of think, well, the Institute of Education is in London. So the one place where there shouldn't uh, be as many barriers should be there. Um, and I don't want the Institute of Education to um be named as the only place I think it's it's the case absolutely everywhere and the NFER report into teacher recruitment um, was particularly stark and again I'll include a copy of the I'll, I'll include a copy of the pdf in the bias so people can see for themselves what stats looks like but for you as a black woman talking to lots of people including other people of colour who might be going through difficult times, who are facing the challenges that you faced. Um, What's the one thing you would say to them in terms of taking care of themselves so that they can? I mean, what I do is I speak out even though my knees shake because I feel like I have have a voice. um, And um, if I'm silent, then I'm complicit. Um, So I do speak out and that doesn't always win me friends. Um, And people always sort of say that's a really courageous thing to do. But I do know what it feels like when you when you feel isolated, you feel picked on, you feel marginalized, you know, racism is happening. It's the nuances which are really hurtful. Um, So I, I can talk about what I do, but I'm really interested in what your advice is to others going through that. I think I am completely aware of the privilege I have had. You know, it's 
this work and these experiences and what I've experienced as a black female is there are common threads, right? But within that, you know, you know being black and being female are not monoliths. Intersectionality is huge. Upbringing is huge. Starts in life are huge. All of that has afforded me privileges and I acknowledge those. I'm really aware of those also. I'm aware of them in terms of strength of character would be the wrong phrase, but just having models of excellence around me in professional occupations. Many black and brown females have models of excellence. Working in professional backgrounds in, a, in terms of leadership, it's incredibly rare. It's not non-existent, but it's rare. So I'm aware of the fact that speaking to younger people within this profession, they might have, they might not have had a member of their family as a head teacher. They might not have had a member of their family as a senior leader. My godmother was a head teacher, my mother was a head teacher, my grandmother was a head teacher. My father had nothing to do with education, but was a manager in IBM in the 80s, was the only black person in his office. So my, my context is specific to me. And so like what you've said there, I speak out. Because I think if I don't, with that behind me, then what hope do other people have? So I, I also feel that I've got to speak out to show others it's okay but nonetheless it's still difficult at times and and I think that what I wouldn't want anybody to think is that this is easy because it's not sometimes people look uh, and they I feed into this myth of meritocracy yeah but you've worked really hard and you've made it I have worked really hard I don't think I've made it but I can appreciate why others might perceive that to be the case it's hard because when I walk into a room, it doesn't matter. All the other stuff doesn't matter. I'm a black female. That comes with it a lot. It can't, that, that forms, I've formed lots of opinions in people's minds without even saying anything. Being okay with standing alone, I have grown okay with. I appreciate it's incredibly difficult and I still am sometimes really fearful, but I am okay with it because I force myself to be and because I've practiced it a lot over the years. So my words to those coming through are to breathe, first and foremost, <laughs> to not feel as if they're alone, to not compare themselves to anybody, um, to use social media as a good form of networking and support, to know that it doesn't matter how much anybody has, inverted commas, made it, everybody has very similar experiences at some point or is still going through them now currently and to, to try to draw strength in that to know that they're not alone that being brave doesn't mean that you have to face everything head-on being brave means that you have to have the courage to seek help when you need it and to find safe people to talk with and to not everybody is a safe person yeah. <laughs> that's also what I've learned yeah um and and to keep moving forward to take breaths to listen to self um and not try to think that they've got to take everything on on their own i mean that's more than a few words of advice that, that's, that's a couple um but i do think they're important ones to to have
Thank you. Thank you for sharing so open-heartedly. Um, so, you know, this podcast is about celebrating you and celebrating all the incredible things that you have achieved. Um, and uh, my closing question today is, what's the one thing that's going really well at the moment that you would like everyone to know about? Um, I think the openness, the openness and the willingness to, to move forward and to be progressive and equitable, moving away from a position of um, equality to a space of equity. So the promote materials, and I'll send you the link for, um, for the website and stuff. They're really good self-led materials that can support all, um, all roles within an organisation. To, to move into an equitable space. So I'll leave that, that link for you and I'll, and I'll email that to you because I do think it's a really important one um, for, for us all. That's fantastic. Thank that you. Okay? You've been, yeah, you've, uh, you've, you've been so generous in what you've shared, um, your wisdom and your journey and the links which we're going to include for everyone. Yeah. Um, so I want to say huge thanks to you, Rachel Clark, for no. being a flying high guest and for just being truly inspirational and warm and welcoming and just wonderful. Um, and I'd also like to say thanks to our listeners for joining us and to say please do go to our Wednesday Winners Forum on the Above and Beyond Dot Education app to share your good news stories. The app is available in the Google Play Store as well as in the App Store. And there's good old fashioned websites as well. So let's reclaim our right to celebrate all the things which are going well in our schools and education communities. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Please do go to our Wednesday Winners Forum on Above and Beyond Dot Education to share your good news stories. Let's reclaim our right to celebrate all the things going well in our schools and education communities. If you work in education and you'd like to take part in an episode of the Flying High podcast, simply contact me. I'd love to hear from you and I welcome diversity in voices. Thanks to all our Flying High guests and to our education community working together to make every school a great school.